0: Welcome to On Strategy Showcase. I'm Ferguson in Chicago. Uh, this episode is uh, another in the series I produced for Warwick a few months back. Uh, in addition to being on their site, work has now agreed to let it appear on our site here for you guys for free. So I'll be rolling, you know, different episodes from that series out over the next few weeks, and they're they're all award winners from 2021. If you're interested, however, in submitting for the 2022 awards, they're now open for entries. The deadline is March 2nd. You can learn more at work.com backslash awards backslash effectiveness. It's easy to enter and there's actually no entry fees. So I encourage you guys to check that out. So here's our Purcell's Dirt is Good, uh, an award winner from the 2021 uh, award series. Tons of great stuff here. And you can uh, see the creative work uh, from this episode and all of our episodes on our website at onstrategyshowcase.com. Enjoy. The Dirt is Good platform has been at the core of the personal laundry detergent brand for decades. It was a counterintuitive perspective in a category that's fixated on clean. The brand platform was built on the everyday parental dilemma of finding the right balance between protecting your child from the world around them and giving them the freedom to explore and experience it themselves. In other words, being out there exploring and getting dirty was a result of being a kid, not necessarily something a kid should be protected from doing. So simply put, dirt is good, a brilliant thought. However, in roughly 2020, Unilever announced a new initiative that would require Dirt is Good to respond to shifts in culture and a broader environmental and sustainability theme. This is the story behind that shift. It won a gold award in the brand purpose category and a sustainability award. Here are Tati Lindenberg, Vice President Marketing for Purcell at Unilever, and Rachel Stetz, Global Strategy Director at Mullen Lowe in London. Enjoy. Welcome to both Tati and Rachel. Thanks for joining today.
1: Hi. for having us.
0: So Tati, I think that b- before we dive into the history of, of this campaign and this brand platform, can we talk a little bit about Purcell and uh, you know, whom, uh, what the brand is uh, and sort of whom it competes against?
2: Of course, my pleasure. So let me start by describing that Dirt is Good is a collective of brands and it includes some very old names from the last century. Some of, of the names you described, Omo in Brazil, Vietnam, China, and Turkey, and Surfix in India, and obviously pursue in the UK and Ireland. So pursue is one of those dirt is good laundry brands, and it was the first commercially available laundry detergent launched in 1909 in England. And the brand has been at the forefront of innovation for over a century. It played a major role in easing the weekly laundry burden, which radically changed women's roles and their working week. And it was also the first laundry detergent to feature a man in TV advertising, and it broke down gender stereotypes back in the day. And there are another, well, a few others, I'd say, firsts. So it was the first laundry brand uh, to launch tablets and capsules, and it was also the first to launch a double concentrated liquid detergent, again, in the UK and Ireland. And over the last decade, the brand has been developing and using biotechnologies to make laundry products as effective, but significantly more sustainable. And Pursu, as well as all the other Dutch Good laundry brands, compete against any products or services that do laundry from large to niche brands, as well as services.
0: Can you tell us about where this whole platform for, for Dirt is Good started and, and why?
2: The first important thing to say before getting into Dirt is Good is the fact that Persu has always been positioned as a top performance laundry brand. Reason why I gave a few examples of the firsts that Persu brought to the UK and Ireland. And... Uh, it's important to say that while Pursue is recognised as a top performance brand, the main distinctiveness is the purpose and the BCI of the brand. And it was rooted on a breakthrough idea that dirt is not an enemy to be avoided, as every other laundry brand used to see, but or people use also to perceive, but it was an ally to be nurtured and a catalyst for child development. So in fact, we believe that stains are a mark of a life fully lived and getting dirty is synonymous with getting stuck in and act. So the dirt is good as a purpose is inspiring and critical to drive our top performance credentials. So I think Rachel always likes to say that it's sort of like a virtual cycle because the more we encourage people to act and to see the act of getting dirty as an ally, the more dirty clothes they will have. And then they can count on Percy or any other Dutch's good brand to clean them up. So this is how we are positioned in the beauty of bringing a purpose which is rooted on a beautiful tension, but at the same time on the, the top performance that we deliver as a product.
0: Anything you'd add to that, Rachel?
1: Yeah, I agree with Tati. I mean, she mentioned the virtuous cycle. I think that's one of the smartest things about Dirt is Good is that it balances that kind of emotional um, aspect of the work so well with something that's underpinned with a really strong functional product truth. But I think it's the point of view of of the brand, as Tati said, that really gives it its distinctiveness and actually makes it bigger than the category. So many brands, I think, wish that, you know, they're kind of looking for that kind of point of view um, and something that kind of elevates them above, you know, whatever product they might be advertising. So I think that that's something that's always been true and a strength of the brand is that point of view anchored in dirt is good. Allows us to flex into so many different stories, even as culture evolves um, as it has most recently.
0: Is there, a, is there a different point of view on what defines cleanliness or what consumers want, depending on which country they're from?
2: Yes, that is. So what we see is the, the way in which consumers think or they desire cleanliness is very is related to a few aspects. One being how much effort they need to put on to clean clothes. So, obviously, we are present as a brand in places where the majority of consumers would not have a washing machine. So, obviously, they have to put a lot of effort. So, clean clothes means their personal effort, like, basically magnified in a T-shirt. Conversely, you also have countries like the ones in Europe, in which most of consumers would have a washing machine, so clean clothes is something that it's more like a, it's it's part of like the daily chores, but it's not something S, I would say, F, which demands as much effort. So obviously, there is this aspect about how much you need to put in to get clean clothes. There are some cultural aspects as well associated to cleanliness. And there is also, I would say, not only the evolution of washing machines, but the evolution of uh, clothes and fabrics in general. So in some places with the fast fashion growing at uh, such a fast pace, obviously people would have a different relationship with dirty clothes as in, well, if the socks are not that clean, I can still buy another one for like, I don't know, $5.
0: Yeah, even though there are, there are uh, differences culturally and in terms of practice uh, cleaning, um, you you were able to find a platform that worked globally. Is that fair to say that really, really, dirt is good has been um, has been able to be translated pretty consistently, either creatively or um, or conceptually uh, anywhere that you've had the brand around the world?
2: Yes, fortunately, yes. And the main reason is because instead of focusing on the laundry aspect or the, as you said, whether the way that you wash your clothes or the cultural aspects of uh, having clean clothes, we were actually looking at a more fundamental human dilemma, which is very universal. So parents all over the world, especially 20 years ago, would have the question about how much freedom to give to the kids to enjoy life and develop and how much you need to protect them from the realities of the world, So this dilemma between freedom and protection inspired us to say the act of getting dirty is always good, and it's always worth the effort that you have to put on to get clean clothes. So that is the fundamental human truth that helped us to create an idea and to craft it in such a way that after two decades, this is still relevant.
0: How are brands like Fairy and Ariel, how are they positioned? compared to the uh, dirt is good platform that we, that we that you have for the personal brand.
1: Yeah. I'll just speak to the UK market, maybe just for the sake of, sure. of time and, and brevity. But I think, you know, uh, not to be overly reductive, but I would say that Ariel is very much, you know, we talk about them kind of being born in a lab and very focused on, you know, tech innovation. Many people may be familiar with the Do You Pod um, campaign and, and them really pushing into capsules, but still quite focused um, in markets, you know, still kind of obsessed with that whiteness and the cleanliness more in the way that the laundry category has been talking about for many years. And then Ferry, which he mentioned at the top of the call, is quite unique to the um, to the UK, obviously has a very iconic place, even from its washing up liquid, the baby that everybody kind of knows, but much more focused on kind of a gentle and sensitive positioning. Um, And for people that are more concerned with chemicals in their products, um, as as the UK uh, tends to have more sensitive skin concerns. So Fairy's quite focused on that from a laundry perspective, um, as well as a wider master brand um, perspective in that kind of area quite squarely. And then as Tati said, you know, there are always smaller players or independent players that are kind of coming up. So your e-covers, your methods, um, obviously their penetration and their market share is not as big in terms of from a competitor standpoint, but they are things for us to watch and keep an eye on because certainly they are responding to shifts in in people's mindsets and preferences and attitudes that, you know, the brand needs to be aware of.
0: So I'm, I'm really curious Tati when something lasts for 20 years as a platform, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty amazing. And to think about this platform, which, which I've got to think in certain ways was pretty I'm not sure if it was progressive, but it was certainly distinctive to or at its very minimal, it was incredibly insightful to think about uh, positioning dirt as being good. So I'm curious, where did it come from originally? Do you have a do you have a sense of that? Uh and did it did it start in, in the UK or did it start in some other country and then spread to all of the markets?
2: It started in my country. It started in Brazil as a way to bring distinctiveness to a brand at the moment that Procter & Gamble was planning to enter Brazil. So I remember that back in the day, it was just a few years before I joined Unilever, that was called the welcome plan. And as part of welcoming Procter & Gamble, um, Dirt is Good was developed. But then, as I said, it was such a fundamental parenting or human truth that then it became easier to roll it out to a number of different markets. Now we are actually present in more than 80 markets, and, and, um, and the, the rest is history.
0: So can, what's, your, what's your favorite spot? Because I'd like to drop a spot or two into the audio track here. Do you have a, a recent spot or, 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 or one that's, that's got more years on it that you think is a great example of the Dirt is Good platform?
2: Yes. There is one I adore from India called Holi. So in India, every year we have a campaign to celebrate Holi. And there is one specific, which is from 2019, that shows this really smart girl um, who is Hindu, trying to help her Muslim, um, I'd say, friend to cross, I'd say, sort of like a path without getting stained uh in the middle of Holly by their friends. It's a beautiful, simple uh story, but it's it has this human truth of like a child learning that she could get dirt on behalf of her friend because her friend needed to go uh to the temple and she need she did not. So that is one of my absolute favorites, Holly. Are you- बस घर से निकलो फेलो
1: फेलो यार रंग इंद्रधनुष के जैसे रहलो तारे संग अब तो मार लो ना सब खत्म बाहर आजा सब खत्म हो गया मैं तुझ में तू मुझ में अपनी दोनों की
2: there is another one that I also adore that we produced last year um, in the middle of like COVID, not surprisingly, which was this idea about home is good. And uh, obviously, the reason why I adored it is because we always show the act of getting dirty as in, an act that takes place in the outdoors. For obvious reasons, if you're talking about freedom and protection, the ultimate freedom is to be in nature that's the reason why when COVID happened, we were so very concerned about how a brand or a group of brands which have been talking about dirt is good in the outdoors, because in 90% of the examples or the TV advertising, we were, kids were always outdoor. So how could we suddenly say, well, dirt is still good indoors? So that's when we pivot the idea of, like, home being good. And for the first time, we're actually saying get dirty indoors and not outdoors. When
0: there is a home. I'm very curious, uh, Tati, before we move on to more current time, um, I'm very curious whether Dirt is Good evolved in really concrete ways over the last two decades. Was there any noticeable turns or reinterpretations that are something that we should note?
2: Yes, I'm very pleased you asked that question because that is indeed. The main, I would say, evolution of Dirt is Good is that at the beginning it was very, I should say, individualistic. So all the examples that we would show of dirt being good, it was always good for the child. The benefits of getting dirty were always to that very child getting dirty. Then with time, and in fact, the the examples that I told you as some of my favorites, we were evolving to a more external. Um, I would say, or outward version of Dirt is Good. So when you do something, for instance, for others, dirt is not only good for the person who is getting dirty, but also for that person that is the re- at the receiving end of it. So that is an extraordinary film from Pakistan. It's, I think it's from the Ramadan 2017, if I'm not mistaken. And it actually shows this boy who goes outside and he's trying to help uh, an and old guy who's selling samosas and uh, the little cart in which this old guy had the samosas broke down. So the little boy takes all the samosas and put them inside his shirt and is helping the uh, elder guy to sell them. And of course, imagine again the T-shirt full of like stains and oil and so on. But then you can see that the act of getting dirty in this case is relevant for the child because the child learned the value of togetherness, of helping, of looking after others. But it also benefits that very man who was helped by the child.
0: So, Rachel, in um, 20 years on, this would have been, I assume, around 20, in 2020, the, um, the client drops a new brief. And, and I'm curious what was the ask uh, at that point and uh, and why was there a new ask
1: so the brief really came about because of two I would say two kind of major forces um, that kind of came together to shape what was a global brief so this was bigger than just the UK um, at the time and the first was, frankly, a global climate emergency that I know we're all feeling and living in today, as well as the kind of anxiety of a new a new generation um, that, you know, we had observed. I think with regard to the climate emergency, and, and I'm happy to have Tati speak to this a little bit too, but Unilever had launched its Clean Future Agenda, um, which was a huge, you know, groundbreaking innovation program that was focused on completely overhauling the home care business, um, with a series of goals related to you know, replacing 100% of carbon derived from fossil fuels and their cleaning and laundry products you know, with renewable sources by 2030. So the first part of the brief was all around you know, getting people to choose Purcell's new, you know, greener core product formulation and, um, and packaging. But with regard to the second one, the way that we would need to do that would obviously still be through the lens of Dirt is Good.
0: What impact did this reformulation have in terms of of the uh, the customers' product that they were using? You mentioned that there was there was plant based stain removers. Was this a completely new formulation, and was it a completely different packaging? And wasn't there major risk in that going to market with a completely new formulation?
2: Absolutely, being a brand rooted on top performance, there was a big risk. That was the reason why, as part of the, the briefing and the response that we got from IPG, we crafted this functional proposition, which is Tougher and stains kinder to our planet or to our world. The biggest risk is because all behavioral science, as you know, confirms that people believe the addition of a new benefit comes an expense of an old one. And in this case, sustainability would mean a reduction of efficacy. But that's why we decided to embrace the paradox we've spoken with and we had so many different consumer researchers. And we clearly confirmed that, that consumers were concerned about if you become greener or cleaner, are you sure you're going to clean? Reason why we just embraced it and said, okay, we're going to be tougher on stains yet or end kinder to the planet, and we wanted to demonstrate in our campaign that we could do both. And in fact, I have to say that we proved that this paradox is highly persuasive when we find strong reasons to believe for people to... The idea of sustainability at a no one cost and no compromise brings real value to consumers. And this is the sweet spot that we have now. It was a risk, but we transformed that into our competitive advantage
0: So what were what were competitors doing, Tati? Were they also reacting to issues uh, around sustainability?
2: Yes, yes, they were. So different competitors are doing, I would say, well, different initiatives. So you can take all of them. They would be doing at least either a campaign or also moving their products into more sustainable ones, for sure.
1: I think Ariel at the time wasn't was getting ready to do a big push around lowering the temperature of your wash, which is actually something that isn't necessarily new, especially from like a product standpoint. Um, but I would say that from a competitor standpoint, just picking up on some of the challenges that Tati touched on the concerns around efficacy were much more being driven because of those smaller brands like your methods or e-covers that while greener and more sustainable, people knew and still know that they are not as effective on the things that they need laundry to do, including removing the stains. So as Tati said, one of the most critical things was actually to lean into the superpower of the brand, which is still anchored in dirt and stain removal. Um, But as she said, find a way to balance that with a kinder to the planet message that became an addition rather than, you know, at the cost of our original positioning.
0: And it seems to me that, that uh, something that underscores that is that the sustainability brands in the category only had a, a 2% share versus you guys, which were roughly 20, 27% share. So there was a desire for this, but there wasn't necessarily a market for those who were as singularly focused on it. That being said, where you were coming in with a sustainability message in this campaign, was it initially about maintaining share or was it considered a a way and did it have at its center a goal of growing share?
2: It was a goal of growing share. And the reason why, to be absolutely uh, honest, it started as, as pretty much a way for us to respond to the clean future program so we believe it's part of our obligation and we are driven by the idea of make sustainable living commonplace and obviously within my remit i saw the opportunity to go bigger and do better with dirt is good so it started as a way for us to be better but as rachel said there is an increasing concern um, around climate change we see also that especially with like younger kids. So obviously it was an increasing consumer demand to start being more sustainable. So it was internally driven, but also a way to respond to what consumers desire. I think the main point is if you think about a segmentation of audiences, you have consumers not only within the laundry category that consume the laundry category, but across many different orders that are willing to either make some compromise to have a more sustainable product, and that compromise could be in the form of a packaging or efficacy, and are also willing to pay more for that. I believe that the reason why you still see these more niche brands smaller is for that. They might not deliver the same top performance, or they are more expensive than the mainstream brands. So the beauty of what we've done with Dirt is Good is that once we understood that was part of, as I said, our obligation as thought leaders of the industry, we also started to explore how we could bring that to life. And this is when we realized, one, we cannot charge more because no one, I would say, well, I shouldn't say no one, very few people would accept to pay more. So we couldn't command a premium. And that's why, if you compare the products we had before our real change campaign, and now they charge, they cost exactly the same to consumers. So that was the first important thing. And the second one, as I've just mentioned, was to try to bring to life this paradox and to confirm and reassure consumers that we could be green yet efficacious. And that's why the whole idea of like tougher kind of
0: you have this brief there's some objectives outlined by the client. Um, What sort of work do you undertake from a planning perspective to better understand the issues and the opportunities? And I I think that to the point that was made a little bit earlier, um, this is a brand that has always looked through the lens of the child, uh, but the child isn't the one making the decision on the purchase. So there was and with issues of sustainability when you segment that audience there there are some that are more enlightened uh, than others and i'm curious when you what did you guys do to better understand how do you present this brand given its business objective and given its sort of uh, it's its sustainability objectives
1: we worked really closely actually with the unilever cmi team and and you know they they do immense amounts of and what's
0: what, what's cmi
1: uh we wasn't say forget about it. Consumer, Consumer marketing intelligence. They're always slightly ah, different. Yes. So <laughs> there's so many acronyms. Consumer marketing intelligence, yes. The research teams within Unilever um, to conduct global research. And as you said, the first place for us to start was absolutely with kids. So we did do global research both with children as well as parents.
0: And why, why though? Why did you that's interesting? Why did you why did you include kid research? Did you have a hypothesis going in?
2: Yes, we did, if I may, Rachel. Yeah, please do. And the reason is, as I explained the fact that Dirt is Good has been evolving, or the way that we address the relationship between parents and kids evolved, we wanted to understand where we should stand now. So what is relevant for the new generation? And there is a remarkable difference, I would have to say, between kids now and kids 20 years ago. And needless to say, they have much more access to information, they are much more empowered to take action, and you have shortening of like childhood, among other, I would say, changes over the last two decades. So we understood that we could not be a brand rooted on child development without being able to understand this very, I would say, human uh, truth through the eyes of kids.
1: That, Point of view and understanding of kids and child development is also what helps us resonate with parents. Um, so I think that that it was a really critical place to start. And as Tati said, you know, we needed to understand what had changed for this generation. And I think you know they are also, frankly, more vocal and aware of some of the issues that are going on around them than other you know kids have maybe been previously. So. I'd mentioned Greta Thunberg um, earlier was, you know, kind of right at her height during this time. And while every child is not like Greta, we do know that, you know, they are more aware of climate change and, and that there's, you know, uh, the planet is in danger in some way, they may not fully understand it, but we know that they don't always really know what to do, or they may feel like a fear or a little bit of paralysis around that. Um, and oftentimes, in a lot of our research, we discovered, you know, that they they feel alone in those concerns, you know, it can be quite isolating um, for them as well. So really understanding wh- what the, the world felt like and looked like for kids really was the starting point because that is where all of the emotional texture and richness from the brand comes from um and then secondly as i mentioned we obviously did also talk to parents who are ultimately the ones who purchased the product and what's interesting is they they have some similar uh responses to kids you know maybe in a more mature and complex way but i think they kind of similarly you know don't always know where to start um, or you know they want to kind of be a part of positive change, but fundamentally they also know, or they may feel, that one person's individual action is not enough to affect change, and that really big brands and big corporations need to step up and become a part of that change as well.
0: So, Rachel, when when it comes to briefing creatives, it, it seems to me that dirt is good has always been viewed in, in terms of a creative strategy it has always been viewed through the eyes of a child. So was that a mandate going in this time that we, and, and is that always a, a sort of a mandate going in that it should always be looked at from the child's perspective, um, are viewed as being happening from in, in a child's world? Was that again the brief going into the creative this time?
1: Yes, I definitely think we wanted to paint a picture of what the world looked like through the eyes of of children. Um, And in doing so, as I mentioned before, that kind of reflects back on parents in some way as well. And I think the ultimate, you know, uh, kind of lens that we wanted to put on this is if you think about dirt is good through the lens of, of this push around sustainability and the climate is really that kids and parents were kind of feeling like unsure of how their actions could make a bigger impact And because Dirt is Good is all about, as Tati said in the beginning, getting outside, getting dirty, getting stuck in, and fundamentally taking action. You know, it's really hard to get dirty if you're being passive, standing on the sidelines. The real crux of the brief was about, you know, inspiring and almost galvanizing people to be a part of this bigger movement that obviously Unilever was making huge commitments to.
0: So Tati, you see some of the early work that gets presented to you. Um, in what ways was it right and in what ways did it not work for you or did or was the first round of work bang on it was perfect
2: the work presented by the agents was nearly the one that we ended up having and producing I believe the two challenges we had in the first scripts and campaign ideas were first of all how we could embed it into the idea of dirt and getting dirty because obviously as rachel mentioned it's very easy to be seduced by the whole novelty of the kind of to the planet idea and the sustainability message but we needed to tell that is still rooted on the core of the brand and the idea that kids need to get dirty but actually i believe that the most Uh, I'd say uh, the most beautiful aspect of it is the fact that when we started to show Getting Dirty as a method for action and we started to talk about the difference between kids or people who would stay home and potentially uh, participate into the entire idea of helping the environment via collectivism. So they would post pictures, they would talk about it, but they wouldn't do much. So this is when I believe the agents came with the most extraordinary campaign line, which is real change happens when you roll up your sleeves and get dirty. And that summarizes the entire idea and the connection between driving change towards the environment and at the same time getting dirty in the process. So these were the nuances that we needed to sharpen from the very first, I would say, creative that we got until three months later when we were previewing or validating with consumers and getting the first set of uh, extraordinary consumer uh, research results.
0: Yeah, I, I love that line, change happens when you roll up your sleeves and get dirty. And I think for for, for readers of the of the Wark case study on this particular uh, campaign, we'll notice that something else has sort of shifted. Uh, dirt is good became Dirt for Good, Tati. Can can you tell us a story behind that? And what was the purpose of uh, of Dirt for Good?
2: So we could not be in a brand enabling child development at present without helping kids to overcome the anxieties and uh, helping them to feel more empowered to act on the world they care about. So this is the background that led us to believe that it was time for Dirt is Good to evolve So, Dirt is Good then became Dirt for Good, which is, in fact, a shorthand for Dirt is a Force for Good. It's an evolved purpose and an evolved, I would say, alliance between the brand heritage and the idea of getting dirty, the business needs, as we spoke before, the Clean Future program, the fact that consumers would demand more and more change towards the environment, and, of course, a new commitment that we had as a brand. To society and the planet, which would enable people to make more sustainable choices.
0: And so, it's interesting when when uh, when listeners uh, see the new spots for the for the current campaign. Um, dirt is good remains the tagline. So, what is the role uh, of dirt for good? What 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 purpose is that tagline used for? Yeah, I'm
2: I'm glad you're asking. So. We wanted to keep dirt as good because, in principle, dirt for good is embedded in dirt as good. So, we wouldn't have a reason to change a strap line that consumers know and recognize for over 20 years. And we decided to call dirt for good mainly internally as a way to signal the change that we had. So, we want people, given the number of markets that we have and the urgence to evolve the brand. So we want people internally, but I would have to say also the agencies to understand that we are evolving the brand and galvanize them around this new idea of Dutch being a force for good. Rainforests were destroyed in last in the ocean. We all know change has to happen, but real change, it doesn't just happen in the comment section. Hashtags can't plant trees, tweets won't clean oceans, For real change to happen, we need to roll up our sleeves and get dirty. And at Persil, we're changing too, with our main bottles made with recycled plastic and a new formulation with plant-based stain removers. Persil, tough on stains, kinder to our planet.
0: I assume the work was tested and, and it probably had some harsh edges that had to be softened or some adjustments needed to be made. So we don't need to go into that in any detail unless there was something that you think was was strategically important uh, but can you talk about the, uh, the rollout of the campaign?
1: From a from a rollout standpoint, and Tati can keep me honest because it is, it is still ongoing across many, many global markets. but I think you know a key part of this, as I mentioned, was that this was a global brief, and so there was um, you know a fair amount of, of understanding we had to know for each of the market needs. So it first went, I believe Tati you give me honest to Vietnam uh, UK France Australia then to some of our markets in Southeast Asia as well as Brazil and India and is still going today the same
0: were they the same creative concepts or were they customized versions based upon the cultural message adjustments based upon different cultural realities
1: there were adaptations yeah go ahead Tati there were adaptations. Yeah.
2: So, no, what I'd say is the idea of real change happens when you roll up your sleeves and get dirty. That's why we are changing, too. Is the same line everywhere. What we've done differently was to adapt and to customize the creative vehicle in which we deliver that message. To be very clear, for instance, in the UK, as well as in Brazil, in general, in the Western countries, We showed a number of uh, different families, as Rachel explained. So we had vignettes of kids and different kids uh, doing or taking different actions towards the environment uh, in order to make this planet a better one. Conversely, when we tested the same campaign or the same creative script in the likes of Indonesia and India, we understood that the idea of using vignettes was not as compelling to consumers as it was in the Western world. So then what we decided to do in those countries, we kept the same line of real change, the same idea, but then instead of having a number of different families, we were basically following the story of a single child or a single family. So there weren't nuances here and there, but I'm very pleased to say that the campaign's largely the same everywhere.
0: So as we wrap up here, I, I thought I could ask you both to sort of give us a sense of, of the uh, success of the campaign. This is obviously a, a work award winner for marketing effectiveness. So we can't help but ask for some of the indicators of uh, effectiveness. So could you guys give us a sense of, um, of how successful the campaign was?
2: Once we confirmed that delivering a product which should be tougher and stains and kinder to the planet, is a very compelling and highly persuasive, I would say, idea and mix. We had, well, quite, I would say, difficult penetration, uh, repeat rate and turnover targets, all of which we've achieved. So we saw significant uplifts in penetration, up 7.5%. We also saw a significant increase in the repeat rate of our products. And obviously, we increased the turnover so it was quite remarkable to see that the campaign helped us to not only achieve our business targets, but also help it repositioning the brand. And now as we roll out the brand to other markets, we started to keep tracking and realize that consumers started to understand that getting dirty is not only important for child development, as this was an attribute that we've been tracking for over 20 years, but getting dirty is also a way to build, to build a better planet. So both of which we can see like a remarkable item maintenance in the case of the first one, or I would say started to have ownership in the case of the second. So it was pretty remarkable, I have to say, what we've managed to do from a brand power standpoint, as well as from a pure uh, business or sales results.
0: Yeah, and and I think when I when I look at the case, I see penetration up seven and a half percent. I see sales up five point one percent over target, and and a thing I, I think is well worth noting is that your share of market, uh, while it was it was up one hundred and fifty seven basis points to around twenty eight point eight percent, but it's also striking that there was no loss because in making such a significant change. As we said at the beginning of the conversation, there was risk in doing that and therefore there was risk of losing existing customers. So there was not only, so I think share of market increase should not only be looked at in terms of uh, new customers, but also that there was no loss of existing customers. So I think congratulations all around on that.
2: Thank you very much.
0: So it is Purcell's uh, Dirt for Good. It won a gold and a sustainability award for brand purpose. Tati Lindenberg, VP Marketing Purcell at Unilever. And Rachel Stratz, uh, Rachel's Global Strategy Director, Mullen Lowe in London. Thank you both. Great work and congratulations again.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you.
0: And we'll see everybody on the next episode.